Well, hello, and welcome back to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here. I know things look different this year, but I hope you are enjoying your Christmas season. I shared an episode on Advent last Sunday, and I hope to put out another one this Sunday. So keep your eyes open for an email or on your podcast app or, or the website, momentswithmoni.com. Today's episode is on the last three of the seven churches of Revelation. First, we'll touch on a bit about their history, then how God revealed himself to them, what the commendations were to them, what the warnings or counsel were to them, and what the promises are to the overcomer. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Blessings and prayers to you and for you during this Christmas season 2020. Whether you are able to listen now or later, my prayer is that you are digging deeper into God's Word to find the treasures hidden within. That you are mining God's Word as if you are mining for gold. For His Word is a lamp to show us where and how to step, and a light that exposes darkness and all of its pitfalls. Last week, we looked at the first four churches of Revelation, the sister churches in Asia Minor who were sent a letter. That letter came from Jesus, to the angel, to John, to those in the seven churches, and to us today. God's word transcends time and is a message to our hearts today. If you missed the previous episode, you can find the link in the show notes. The next church on the list is Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Last time I mentioned how important it is to be aware of the historical and geographical context of the scriptures. It helps us see the writings of the church's history here in Revelation in the true light. If we just do the reading of the story and make a quick judgment based on our own thoughts, we miss the whole picture. Stories online or stories we read can be fairy tales in our own mind's eye, and be dismissed as such. However, if you look at the historical and geographical aspects of these seven churches, we get a 3D picture of reality. Think of reading one of your grandparents' birth certificates. You get the story told to you from a piece of paper that was written by a person with the facts of the story. When you actually meet your grandparents, you get the real 3D picture In a world of two-dimensional online research, we can be quick to make snap judgments without knowing the historical and geographical background. So let's take a look at a bit of the historical and geographical information of Sardis before we delve into the scripture to see what God has left us in his letters about Sardis. Sardis was a part of an ancient Persian kingdom, Lydia with a very polytheistic environment, liberated in 340 BC. Sardis means escaping, and was one of the seven churches in the Roman province of Asia, or 
modern Turkey, filled with worship of false gods. Sardis was known for its gold and wealth. The city was destroyed in the 16th century by the Persian army. And John writes what Jesus told him to say to the church of Sardis. Jesus revealed himself to the Sardis church as one with the seven spirits of God and the seven stars in his hands, and quickly tells them, I know your works, that you have a name, a reputation of character, and reveals it as one who is alive, but you are dead, giving us a picture of a corpse who walks around. Jesus also said to those in Sardis, I know your works. Wake up, be watchful, and remain strong in me. Repent of your wicked works and watch, or I will come as a thief in the night. To the overcomers of Sardis, Jesus says to them, I will clothe you in white raiment, and I will not erase your name out of the book of life. If you do these things, I will confess you before my Father. I will claim you as my own before my God and before his angels. The next church that Jesus spoke to through John was Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. 30 miles east of Sardis and about 50 miles from Laodicea was the Church of Philadelphia, representing a faithful church. Founded in A.D. 17, it was the newest of the cities and almost destroyed by earthquakes in that very same year. Philadelphia resisted Muslim takeover and became an island of Christianity. Jesus revealed himself to Philadelphia as he who has the keys of David and he that opens the door that no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. If you studied through the Covenant series here on Moments with Mona, you might remember the covenant with David that proclaimed a descendant of his would forevermore sit on the throne for eternity. Yes, here is the fulfillment of the new covenant. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he now holds the keys to death and hell and is sitting at the right hand of God, waiting until the time that God puts all of his enemies under his feet. His work is done, and he is waiting in heaven for us. To the church in Philadelphia, Jesus says, I know your works and that you have just a little strength left. I also know that you have obeyed my word and have not denied my name. Jesus continues and tells the church in Philadelphia that I will take care of the Satanists, those who claim to be Jews but are lying, and will make them bow at your feet so that you know that I have loved you. A sort of vindication before the self-righteous, spiritual persecutors. Because you have kept my word patiently, I will keep you from the hour of temptation. Most Bible scholars see the hour or trial as prophetic reference to the Great Tribulation. On the timeline we are following here, as just before the earthly kingdom. Jesus has promised to keep the faithful from that hour of trial. For it will be a time when those who dwell on the earth will be tested 
Mentioned nine times in Revelation, it refers to those who are not believers in Jesus. Revelation 17.8 tells us, And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. This test is for unbelievers, not Christians. Christians are promised a different outcome through the covenants. Even though we walk in the world, we are not of it. Our home is in the heavenly places with Jesus. Now, there are some who believe a different timeline, and you can study those if you like, such as pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or pan-trib, meaning however it pans out. It is best not to take the lazy way out and play it so-called safe with the pan-tribe view, because... What we believe today will affect how we live our life right now. To Philadelphia, Jesus promises that he will come quickly. Translated into English a bit better would be suddenly and unexpected, not necessarily immediately. So until he returns, hold fast, so no one may take your crown of victory. Stay in the race. As was mentioned by our pastor this past Sunday, that we may be running this race, or walking in this race, or maybe even just crawling. Just keep going. Let's keep our eyes on the finish line. To the overcomers of Philadelphia, Jesus promised that he will make them a pillar in the temple of our God, and they will never more go in or out and he will write on them the name of our God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven. And he says, I will write on him my new name. One day, believers, true believers, will be co-heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. And the last of the seven churches of Revelation. Laodicea, chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. Laodicea means people ruling and represents the unbelieving, materialistic church. It was famous for wealth, banks, and medical schools with popular eye salve and a textile industry with the most luxurious black goat's hair suits. Yes, suits made out of black goat hair. (laughs) To this church, Jesus revealed himself as the Amen, the faithful, true witness, and the one who was at the beginning with God at creation. One of the problems that Laodicea had to contend with was an inadequate water supply. So a series of aqueducts brought water from the Hierapolis hot springs. Well, by the time it arrived, that six miles of aqueduct, the water was lukewarm and very unfavorable. Jesus described the church in Laodicea in a way that they would understand by telling them he wishes that they were at least hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm about me, just like your water, it makes me want to gag and spit you out. You think you are rich, makers of healing, salve, and luxurious black suits, but really, you are poor, blind, and naked. 
Jesus then gives this church some advice. Buy from me, he says, gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, that you may have white garments to cover the shame of your nakedness, that it may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with spiritual healing so that you will really be able to see clearly. Be serious and repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Look to me. He continues with his advice and counsel. Look, watch. I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he will eat with me. It is sad news when a church goes through the motions of being a church, but leaves Jesus outside the doors, outside of our hearts. Be serious and repent. To the one who conquers, to the overcomers, Jesus will give a place to sit with him on his throne, just as he has overcome and is now sitting with his Father at the throne of God. As we come to the end of the letters to the seven churches, I saved one last thing that was mentioned to each of the churches for last, as they pertain to them all. I like the King James Version, so I will state from that first. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Are you listening? If you have ears, what is the Spirit telling you through each of these churches? Yes, they were historical churches. Yes, each of those could apply to a church in history, churches today, or individual hearts today. So what is it that God is speaking to your heart about? And what will you do about it? If you are one that finds yourself miles away from God, miles away from the heart of Jesus, but you love him, you already confessed your life is his, but you decided to walk off in your own direction for a while, it only takes a moment to turn back, to turn around one step back to repentance, back towards Jesus. It may have taken you years to get away from him and where you're at, but all you have to do is turn around. That's what repentance means. Turn around from your own ways and come back to him. So if it's important for us to know what the Spirit is saying to the church is, let me give you a bit of a summary of the churches that Pastor Chuck Smith spoke of back in 1977 when he said what the world is coming to. He declared that the Ephesian church was the early church up until the death of John. The church of Smyrna was the second to the fourth centuries and had Roman persecutions. The church of Pergamos, beginning in 316, was the development of church-state system under Constantine. The church of Thyatira, the unrepentant, unfaithful church destined to go through the Great Tribulation. The church of Sardis was a dead Protestant, dead Protestant, dead Protestant, dead Protestants. 
Anyway, back to the list. The Church of Philadelphia, the faithful church of the last days, and then the Laodicean church, the apostate church of the last days. So here we see two churches at the end of the last days that are coinciding on this earth. And we will find in the near future that one of them will be disappearing soon, snatched up, taken away, and the other will be left behind. But more on that next time. Until we meet again, let's spend some more time in God's Word and see what He has to say, not only to the churches, but to our hearts. Next week, we'll be looking into chapter 4 of Revelation. I don't know how far we're going to get into that chapter because there's a lot just in the very first paragraph. So if you want to read ahead, go right ahead. And again, if you have questions or comments, please send me an email at momentswithmoni, the number one, at gmail.com or visit the website at momentswithmoni.com. Thanks so much for making this journey with me. And if you think it's helping you in any way, please share it with a friend or family member. And if you'd like to partner with me in sharing God's word all over the world into the uttermost parts of the earth, then click on that bright yellow button on my website that says, buy me a coffee. Your prayers would be appreciated, especially for India and the United States right now, where this podcast is being listened to many, many times and reaching many hearts.
Thanks so much for listening to Moments with Moni. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe by sending the phrase subscribe to Moni's Tribe along with your email address to the number 1703-951-3077. That's subscribe to Moni's Tribe along with your email address to the number 1703-951-3077. You'll find this information in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Joy.